Hello, hello, and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week, we're discussing chapters 37 through 42 of The Lost Hero. All right, okay. I, <laughs> after our, like, um, episode a couple weeks ago, where we talked about enemies and Piper's enemy, I we kind of put out a, like a a feeler out there to get your guys's enemy stories, and they have been entertaining to say the least. It's very mm-hmm. fun to me, and I was like, oh, I could never. And I've decided in the last couple weeks, this one person has become my enemy. I have okay. an enemy now. I've acquired one. You've acquired an enemy. I've acquired an enemy. Um, Please say more. <laughs> There is, so I'm in grad school and there is a, another student in my class who Ooh. is, so to give an example, we had our holiday break or winter break before our class even started and this person would go on our chat, like we have a class chat and started talking about the homework. Mm-hmm. So much so that the professor took the homework down so that they would start oh. trying to do it. Because we haven't learned anything about the class. We don't know how the course is structured. We don't know anything. And then this happened again. And I was struggling with one of the homeworks. And this person goes onto the chat and goes, oh, my God, this homework is like the next homework. Like so homework three is so much fun. I'm having a great time. By the way, can I get extra credit for this homework? What? (laughs) And it's like very petty. It's very little. Like. It's very silly, but every time that their name pops up on my phone, I just like get this rage. I'm like, oh my God, shut up. You don't have any relevant <laughs> questions to ask us. They, they were like, oh, I have an interview. Um, professor, this is a very personal question that only pertains to me, but instead of privately messaging you, I want to message everybody. <laughs> so you've declared them your enemy now? They're my enemy. Okay. They're, they're just like, they... I feel like an enemy is like opposite kind of of like someone that you love or a lover. And so instead of fueling me with joy and hope and all of that stuff, when I hear their name or see their name pop up my phone, I feel rage and irritation. So that's fair. Fits the bill of enemy. I feel like school grounds are like the best place to find enemies. For sure. Yeah, I was watching uh, Harley Quinn. It's like a little cartoon on HBO. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to find an enemy. It's also very, like, rated R, so, you know, children watch out. But uh, (laughs) she's, like, trying to find an enemy. And so she has, like, a a hinge equivalent or, like, a bumble equivalent of an enemy finder. And she's, like, swiping through. That's so fun. And I was like, I want that. In college... There was another person in, like, my cohort that w- had the same name as me, and at first I thought she was going to be an enemy, but then I actually, like, didn't mind up, I didn't end up hating her in the end. Like, I got to know her, and I actually liked her, so. The tables turned on me, but at first, that first year, really had enemy potential. Mm, enemy yeah. potential. Yeah. Like a very, like, could even be a romantic. Like, enemy potential? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I would act. I personally, in my lifetime, have not met anyone named Manasa. I met one person named Manasa, but she was much older. 
and she's mm-hmm. like a friend of my cousins and so she came to my family's house once and my uh, mom called her Manasa too. So I was like immediately justified. <laughs> Even though she was like, she had had a, she had a baby, like two children married and I was a teenager. She was Manasa too. I was Manasa one. And I was like, that, Good. that's rough for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I've never met any other Manasas. And so I don't know how I would act if I had to share a name with someone, especially in like a school setting. It's annoying. I honestly kind of hated <laughs> I hate whenever there's another Aaron, except in college, there were like three or four Aaron's that lived in my dorm. Mm. And I remember one of them was like very social and she was telling me, she was like, yeah, we have like code names for all of them. There's like bitchy Aaron. And then like she was listening to them. I was short Aaron. And I was like, great. <laughs> Thank you so much. you're not bitchy Aaron. I know. I was like, yeah. at least I'm not bitchy Aaron. I'm short Aaron. <laughs> Did I ever tell you in college about the Knicks? The Knicks, no. The Knicks. So we were friends with, uh, so like freshman year of college in our dorm, uh, we were friends with these three guys who lived across from us and they were named Nick, Nick, and um, there was a third. I don't remember his name at the moment. <laughs> was it Nick? It was not Nick. <laughs> but um, we had to like identify there was tall Nick and then instead of calling the other one short Nick, we called him puppy dog Nick because he had like Aww. these big puppy dog eyes. Mm-hmm. And they all, they ended up getting a house because they're all like snowboarder people. And so they all ended up up getting a house after we moved out of the dorms. And it was Nick, 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 Jack. (laughs) There was a third Nick. And Nick. And then the girls. (laughs) I love that so much. It was so great. But then it was so funny because we got to like uh, senior year and Jack ended up being in one of my classes. And I ended up talking to him. And I was like, how's it going in the Nick's house? And he turned to me. He's like, we've acquired a sixth Nick. I was like, how? Oh my God. How do you collect them? And how are they not all enemies? <laughs> They're all best friends. They all That's loved each cute. other. Aww. Yeah, That's it was cute. very funny. I, was just, I died. I was like, what is the stupidest thing I've ever heard? That's and then so they, cute. They had one of the Nicks, I think, was dating a Nicole who <gasps> went by Nick. No. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was messy. I was like, you guys are doing this on purpose now. Like, maybe you guys have a kink like that I don't want to know about. <laughs> Sounds like a good, like, sitcom premise, though. It really does. The Nick House. The Nick House. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To get back on topic. <laughs> <laughs> enemies. Nicks. What's next? <laughs> Please tell us about your enemies, like... I yeah, want keep them to coming. Know, I want to know the story. Don't hold out on me. Don't say like, oh, it's too long to get into. No, get into it. I want to hear it. <laughs> I have to know. Let me live vicariously through you. Maybe you'll get ideas for your en- your I enemy know. now that you've never met. <laughs> never met. I mean, I'm going to meet them in person soon. Like we're online oh, right now. But in the, next week we're in person. I can just say hello and a nice little right hook, you know? Yeah, They'll obviously. Be like, I don't you know do. who you are. You don't participate in class or on the okay. chat, so we have no reason to. You'd know be like, you. "But I hate you." <laughs> <laughs> they are your Drew. My Drew. They are my yeah. Drew. The Drew to your Piper. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, okay. A summary of what we're going to talk about this episode. <laughs> We talk to an unhinged wind god, get a little more information about our enemy this series, and have a pretty epic battle on top of Mount Diablo. 
Lots of enemy talk Lots going on. Lots of enemy talk. That's the, that's the vibe. That's the vibe today. Okay, so Jason chapters 37 and 38. So we start chapter 37. They are uh, climbing up the mountain towards the floating island in the sky. And Jason is feeling a sort of grief towards his sister. She's found a whole new family, you know, the hunters, without him. And also she just like peaced out. And he only just got her back. And he also thinks about what Leo said about Jason being being a bridge or an exchange. And he's like, I don't really want to be that. I just want to know where I came from, which I was like, that's like kind of, that's a valid response. I think the bar is so low for my like memory of Jason that anytime he says something, I'm yeah, like, yeah, I'm like, real valid. I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> yeah, I like forgot. <laughs> Um, he also thinks about how Talia unhelpfully told him that he'd just remember where the wolf house is oh, instead of telling him where it actually is. And he's like, um, I still don't know where the wolf house is. So this is not looking good for me. So they finally arrive at the top of the island. The fortress is lined with bronze walls and a cluster of satellite dishes and radio towers are on the roof. There are four sections of the grounds, and each represents a cardinal direction and season for each of the four wind gods. So Hedge pieces out to go to the springtime section to, quote, attack the pasture, aka eat grass, while Jason, Leo, and Piper head up the steps to the palace. They meet a wind nymph named Melly, and she is also called an aura, and she works for the Lord of the Winds as, like, his assistant. And the Lord of the Winds is who they're coming to see, Aeolus, who that just sounds like Aeoli. Garlic really Aeoli. Does. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, being the son of Zeus, basically gets a free pass into the palace. So Melly leads them through security into a lobby and brings them to meet Aeolus just before his next appearance, saying there's a few minutes before he starts, so he probably won't kill them all. I also just want to name that I have misspelled Aeolus every single time I've typed it. I think I've spelled it differently each time. It's a, it's become a problem. It's like the new labyrinth. <laughs> That's how I write out everything, especially when I was in grade school. I would spell it a different way every single time I came across it. And my teacher would circle it and be like, are you, are you, wh- how, why? And I'd be like, at least one of them has to be right. So I take a chance. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Take a chance on me. In one of them, you'll get right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's a gamble. It's all gambling, actually. Yeah. Does it make logical sense? And do I know any actual phonetic rules? No. One of them is actually correct. It's about statistics, Erin. <laughs> it's all math here. It's math. <laughs> okay, so chapter 38 starts. They are Aeolus's central part of the fortress. It's like a super swanky television studio with no floor and everything floating through the air. So Melly's like, oh, I forgot you guys need floors and orders a floor for them because like they're not used to having people that require floors. And I was like, how lame of us to need floors. Why can't we just step on? I guess Jason could just walk through it, but yeah, we're not all Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so she leads them to Aeolus. And so he stands in the center of the room wearing a business suit that looks like the sky with white hair and a ton of makeup. And he looks like he's had a lot of plastic surgery. And Jason describes him as... A Ken doll someone had halfway melted in a microwave. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which is like a very specific imagery that is coming to my head. He is very, Aeolus is very focused on all his television screens and then turns to speak to Jason and asks how to go. So apparently past Jason has been here before and Jason does not recall any of this. A year ago, he'd been there for some help fighting a sea monster. 
Jason doesn't really know what to do with this information. He's getting, like, no trickle of memories or anything. He's just like, all right. So he hands over the rogue storm spirits and tells him that Boreas sent them to capture the spirits in exchange for Aeolus to stop ordering said spirits to kill demigods. And I'm not going to lie. I read that and I was like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't remember. I was like, which one's which? I thought that they were going back to meet Boreas. And I was like, okay, so they're to full circle. Leah's probably going to melt the throne room because they had a weird um, interaction where they talked about Leo not being allowed in the throne room and that's going to come nope. full circle. No, we're not, we're not. That was just a weird sentence that they put in there. Yeah. Well, also, I had a note here and I was like, I don't understand why they needed to go to this dude specifically to find out where Enceladus and Hera are. Like, <laughs> I think it could be in part because we're reading this like in chunks, like we're reading like six chapters and then not reading for a week and then reading six chapters and my brain just like brain dumps the information <laughs> after it. my brain's like we don't need to store this too much storage space just yeah. like my laptop but i think it's just because they're following breadcrumbs and boreas told them to ask aeolus and like as we've talked about they don't really have a lot of greek myth background knowledge so they don't really know what they're doing they're just following breadcrumbs but they clearly like re recapped why they had gone to Aeolus because I too forgot why they were there. <laughs> so there's that. So Aeolus barely remembers ordering the wind spirits to kill demigods, but apparently he had done that. And he, when he thinks back on it, he recalls that there was a little voice telling him to do it, a little tingle on the back of his neck. And they're like, that doesn't sound good. That sounds like the patron, the mysterious patron we've been talking about. So Aeolus is then like, I gotta go do the weather. So he goes and flies off to be on air and do the weather forecast for the Olympians. And meanwhile, Jason asks Melly if she remembers him being here before, and she doesn't because she's new. Apparently, she's only been doing this job for 12 hours, which is longer than most of his assistants last. So, yikes. <laughs> Aeolus is definitely unhinged in a bad way. He finishes up his broadcast and then comes back and asks if they want something else too. Jason tells him they need to know where the lair of Enceladus is to save Piper's father, and they need to know where Hera is being held captive. Aeolus can't see where Hera is and has no idea where the wolf house is, but Piper points out that Enceladus knows where the wolf house is and where Hera is. And if they that if Aeolus can help them find the giant, they'll be on their way. There's so much going on it's here. It's so many connecting the dots. It's like he knows that she knows that he knows that they know where yeah. he is. And I'm like, I guess, okay, let's just go meet a bunch of strangers for the sake of this <laughs> book being so large. <laughs> Pretty much. That's how it feels. It, yeah. I think Boreas or even like someone else, like the Midas could have just, or Medea could have just sent them more directly somehow. Yeah. I know they're quote-unquote evil but <laughs> they could have given him a clue so coach hedge decides to come back at that moment he's you know full of grass and melly is immediately attracted to him which is really strange <laughs> it is a nice change though from being yeah. jason always being the one who gets like the girls it should be the satyr yeah <laughs> it's like beth back to movie grover oh god <laughs> Just getting all the girls. Yep, yep. So Aeolus decides to give them the information after he, like, consults with the other gods via radio waves and tells them that Enceladus is on Mount Diablo, which is east of San Francisco Bay. He's about to help them get there when suddenly his face goes slack and he bends over. 
When he straightens up again, it's like he's been possessed, and he looks like a scared old man with wild eyes. He says, she hasn't spoken to me in centuries. I can't. Yes, yes, I understand. I'm sorry, son of Jupiter, new orders. You all have to die. So clearly, the mysterious patron has intervened and spoken to Aeolus. Aeolus says that if she is indeed waking, she cannot be denied, and that she's more powerful than all of them, and then he decides to kill them. And I was like, what if it just ended here in the end? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Melly intervenes, and they all jump. With Melly and Jason's wind powers combined, they can control their fall. Melly can't hold on much longer, so her and Hedge decide to iris message later. Like, they exchange numbers, which... Okay. And she stays behind to shield them from the wind spirits that Aeolus sent after them. She dissolves the real winds hit and Jason then blacks out. The amount of times that Jason blacks out is ridiculous. It's kind of impressive. Like, <laughs> we should this man get is trying going. to get his memory back and he constantly blacks out or gets hit in the head. Yeah. It's, it's not really helping. not a good look. Like, no. Jason, permanent brain damage is coming his way. I know. <laughs> Um, I have, one of my comments was that, speaking of Jason's brain damage, um, he doesn't get, I think one of the things that isn't done as well in this book is that he doesn't get a slow trickle of memories like Percy did. Like, it's always just that he'll, like, see something and be like, oh, that's familiar, or like, oh, she's my sister, but, like, doesn't really get anything with that, whereas with Percy, there was kind of, like, each time you got Percy's perspective, you'd realize he'd remembered something else or someone else, and so I'm like, I feel like that's why... It's harder to connect to Jason's character because even when he does get little like things he remembers, they're not really substantial memories about his personality. They don't tell you anything. Also, you don't, like he doesn't remember any people. Like he doesn't remember anyone really from his past or any of his friends. I don't know. He's also just he just un immediately just kind of launches it at you, and like the understanding is also Percy. You are reading. Per, like the next book knowing Percy's background yeah. so when he gets it you're like rooting whereas we know nothing about Jason he's a mysterious character so him he like in the middle of fighting is like it's legion training and then fails to elaborate <laughs> yeah you're and like, it's like I, I want guess. more because yeah. we don't know him yeah and but instead of being like oh you know we're keeping the reader hanging and keeping them interesting I'm like I don't want to know about this character anymore <laughs> Yeah, like at first I think it was like, it worked to keep you like, oh, who is this? But by the middle of the book, it's like, I need a little more. Like I need something interesting about his background, you know, like some relationship he had or some person he remembers just besides like knowing his sister's name. My two cents there. Um, I also love that all the weather is explained by the gods being mad at certain areas. Like the bit where Aeolus like does the forecast, he basically is like, oh, well... Hera's mad at Florida, and Zeus is mad at this place, and I find that very funny. No, I love that It makes sense why the, the wind god is crazy, because he's just dealing yeah. with all these really obnoxious gods who just, like, throw temp to pe temper tantrums all the time. Yeah, and they just pick random states to randomly be angry at. <laughs> Want to know, what did the state do? What, what happened? Uh, we know why everyone's mad at Florida, but, like... <laughs> Yeah, we understand that. Now. <laughs> we understand that one. I actually had a thought when I was reading this chap these chapters as well. Is mm -hmm. I I find it interesting the parallels of like Talia and Jason and Nico and Bianca. 
Okay. Where Jason, because mm. Jason's whole thing is he describes learning about the information that Talia gives him as being handed a big ugly baby that he now is like, it's yours now. You have to carry this and you have to raise it and nurture it and fix it. And he doesn't want to do that. And we're like in the same position of like, Talia is the older sister, Bianca's the older sibling. And like, but kind of switched where Jason is feeling a lot what Bianca felt, where they're given this responsibility and they don't want it. They wanted to be able to shield away from it. And they're looking at their sibling in a little bit of jealousy because Talia now has her family. Now she's really cares about Percy and she's like focused on that. And so they have this like jealousy with their sibling where they want to have that carefree naivety in a way that like they're not given and I thought that was really interesting. It's also, but it's also interesting because Jason's the younger sibling. Yeah. He doesn't act like a younger sibling. He acts like an older sibling because he's mm-hmm. like taking on a lot of responsibility. And I thought that was like an interesting parallel where you have these like kids who have like an unimaginable amount of responsibility that they don't want. And they're constantly trying to grapple with the fact that they are just handed it. Yeah. Yeah, and it is, it's interesting because it's, like, I, yeah, he's definitely, like, doing that similar struggle to Nico when he found out that Bianca chose to become a hunter. But it's different because, like, Nico actually had, like, a long relationship with the sister, whereas Jason and Talia didn't really know each other. They're, like, yeah. only very distant memories. But still, it seems like he's, like, dealing with that same feeling. Mm, that's an interesting parallel the hunters really screw up a family dynamic a little bit it's i guess so because they have to but i mean but also like good for talia honestly yeah and also like she thought i think she's better off yeah yeah she's much better off (laughs) it would have been more interesting and then we would have gotten talia being a much more main character if like she had been able to stay and be more present and if she was like just had stayed the daughter of zeus and nothing else then she would i think been dragged into a lot more battles Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff which would have been kind of fun to read more fun to read about her than it would have been jason but you know whatever yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right now i'm going to talk about piper chapters 39 and 40 So we start off with another demigod dream because God forbid we have a set of chapters without at least one dream. I remember when I said I liked the dreams. Yes. It was fun. Can't believe you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Regret it immediately. Piper is dreaming that she is on the roof of the wilderness school dorm. She and Jason are watching the meteor shower sitting on a blanket all cute like. Jason says he can't believe Leo wasn't interested in seeing this and Piper admits that she didn't invite him. She asks him to slow dance with her to no music and they end up sharing a perfect kiss. And I was like, how did she not realize that this was a fake memory? This is like straight up Wattpad fiction. Like it's so, even the dialogue that they exchange, she's like, he's like, that's dangerous being up here on the roof. And she's like, I'm a dangerous girl and I vomited. I wanted to die. I was like, this is awful. Is Hera getting her inspiration from Wattpad when she's making the little memories to put in everyone's head? Probably. I mean, she's not the goddess of love. She should really should have gone to Aphrodite. I got know. some got some beta readers on her fiction. Her dream changes to Medea's department store, where she's shopping with a beautiful woman. 
Piper can't describe what she looks like. All she knows is that this woman is beautiful without even trying. And her features keep changing to kind of match Piper's ideal beauty. Piper quickly realizes that this is her mom, Aphrodite. Piper asks why she remembers that moment with Jason so vividly, though it didn't happen, to which Aphrodite explains that because Piper is her daughter, she sees possibilities much more vividly than others. She can see what could be and what still might be. Which I was like, that's actually a very powerful tool for war. Like, Athena might want to think about linking arms. It would never happen. Linking arms with Aphrodite. (laughs) Or even, like, when Annabeth and Piper team up eventually. Yeah. It makes sense that they're both more, like, the strategists and the only women, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Aphrodite continues on saying that the doors of death have been opened and many other enemies, including Medea, will come back to fight her. The woman who is behind all of this has opened a door in the underworld and allowed the dead to escape. And it's not just any dead people, specifically the worst, most powerful ones that hate all the gods. This woman, the patron, has a special relationship with Tartarus and has been able to do all of this. It's literally because Tartarus is, she literally hooked up with Tartarus. <laughs> special, special relationship, relationship. okay. Okay. <laughs> Aphrodite also expands on the idea of beauty for Piper. It's about finding the right fit and feeling perfect about yourself and avoiding trying to be something that you're not. So hashtag self-love. Also, <laughs> apparently Tristan, Piper's dad, never knew that Aphrodite was a goddess. Probably making, which I, I immediately thought, it probably made dealing with Piper's behavior really difficult. Because when Sally Jackson is dealing with Percy, like, getting kicked out of school and Percy coming home and being like, monsters keep attacking me, Sally's not, like, immediate mental institution. She's like, yeah, I know that your dad was Poseidon. I knew this was going to happen. I got to prepare for it by marrying Smelly Gabe. Like, Mm -hmm. all the things. Whereas Tristan is like, my daughter steals things and is a hashtag problem child. Yep. Aphrodite then gives Piper one of Medea's mixtures, something that will erase the most recent memories and suggests that she give it to her father when she rescues him. Piper is uneasy, but also understands what her mom is saying. The woman, their enemy, is trying to break her father's spirit and mind, and by showing him that Greek mythology is real, the gods are real, he will definitely crumble, and therefore break Piper. Aphrodite reminds her that Though her children are disregarded as not powerful, love is the most powerful thing of all time. Also, in a strange way, because Aphrodite's father was not a titan like all the other gods, but the sky himself, Aphrodite is technically one of the eldest Olympians. So Piper needs to really kind of remember that when she thinks about herself as a weak demigod. Mm-hmm. Piper finally deduces that Gia, which is pronounced the Gia, I've always really? pronounced it Gaia or Gaia. I've always said Gaia. Oh no, I don't I like, like that. I looked it up online and it's Gia. No. <laughs> <laughs> that offends me I for no reason other it's like, than um, that's that I don't the American like it. pronunciation, so maybe it's different. Elsewhere, yeah. I hope. Ew, it is Gia. It is Gia. I really don't like that. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. I'm sure people are like, yes, we knew this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've never pronounced it Gia, so. Yeah. Oh, we'll try. Piper finally deduces that Gia is the one that is harassing them and opening the doors of death. 
The earth itself has woken to destroy them. Gia is actually cruel and rough, being the reason that Kronos was able to overthrow his father and then gave birth to giants for the sole reason of defeating the gods. And it's happening again. The rise of the giants. Piper will need to figure out a way to fight for the people she loves. She tells Piper to wake up and that she hopes she likes the clothes she's picked out for her. <laughs> Which, for that chapter, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I love this deeper character analysis of Aphrodite and her children. Yeah. It's like, this is what I was complaining about in an earlier episode. It's like, it gives me the vibe of the kids who are not, who are like, I'm not like other girls, becoming a little bit older and realizing that their way of thinking is wrong and, Mm -hmm. you know, very patriarchal. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, chapter 40. Piper wakes up at a table at a sidewalk cafe. It smells like eucalyptus trees and she immediately knows she's in California. She looks down at her clothes and yells, waking everyone else who's also sitting at her table. She's wearing a turquoise dress with black leggings, black leather boots, and a ski jacket. Also, her hair is done up too. Which I was like, that is the most 2010 outfit I could possibly yeah. think of. It, really it sounds is. hideous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jason's like, wow, you're a knockout. Anyway, <laughs> Leo is wearing pinstripe pants, black leather shoes, and a white collarless shirt with sunglasses and suspenders. Coach Honestly, H- that's kind of a look. I like it's it. <laughs> very much a look. Coach Hedges in an all pastel suit with a giant hat. Jason is just oh, given a clean shirt, new shoes, and a haircut. Piper is swooning, but Jason thinks that he didn't get a makeover. And Piper's like, I know what my mom's trying to tell me. This one doesn't need any improvement. He's beautiful. So shut oh, oh, dear God. Her mom is just trying to be like, see, this is the boy that I really want you to date. I give you fake memories of. Look at him. <laughs> also, the fact that, like, Jason's like character traits are that he is, he can make storms and he's hot. Like, those are the two yeah. things. That's, That's all we've learned. Yeah. That's what we've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Melly cushioned their fall and set them at the table, losing her job because of it. They go to get coffee. Thanks to Aphrodite, they now have a good wad of cash and that amnesia potion for Piper's dad, which she hides away. While they drink their coffee, they find out that they are in Walnut Creek, California, and that it is 9 a.m. the day of the solstice. They can also see Mount Diablo in the horizon at the end of the street. Aphrodite has also tucked Leo's drawing into his new outfit, but doesn't show it to the squad, saying it's for later. Piper fills them in on Gia, and they deduce that Leo was able to talk to her because even though she's usually sleeping, a part of her is always awake and watching. She didn't like what she saw, so now she's rising and getting more powerful. The giants are waking, and if the king of the giants, Porphyrion, wakes up, he'll raise an army against the gods. They need to get to the mountain and defeat everyone on it and rescue Piper's dad. Question, is Aphrodite now also the most valid parent? She gave them money, she gave them clothes, she gave them immediately all the answers they've been looking for. After they went on like a grueling quest, <laughs> she was like, I guess I'll give come to you in your dreams. Mm-hmm. It's wait, also- how did she get there? Because Hephaestus, wait, Hephaestus was like, I'm here under the radar. I had to use my weird radio Hephaestus to talk to Leo. How did Aphrodite get to, huh? Basically, she says at one point, she's like, you can't know anyone is, so even Piper, when she tells everyone all the information and stuff, she's a careful 
to not mention that Aphrodite is the one that gave her this information. Okay. She's like, oh, I just got a blessing from my parent and that's why we got makeovers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But Aphrodite basically tells her you can't tell anyone I was here because she's going against Zeus's orders. Yeah. It seems Zeus's- like it's not that hard to go against Zeus's orders. Two of them have done it already. I know, and also, like, Zeus's, like, <laughs> battle plan is the stupid. It's like, just go into hiding until the Earth goes back to sleep. It's like, maybe if we're quiet, the baby will sleep again. Yeah, yeah. He's I, doing cry therapy. <laughs> just let it cry, let them cry it out. Which is hilarious. Sleep training. <laughs> that Leo and Piper's parents have been the most useful, whereas Jason, who was, like, you know, paraded around as being the son of Jupiter, has no contact with his father yeah well we all know zeus sucks yeah it's not surprising at all also it's really weird to think that uh leo is like aphrodite's stepson technically oh yeah (laughs) so are leo and piper like step siblings they kind of give off sibling vibes yeah where they don't really like each other but they have to hang out because of jason (laughs) yeah (laughs) pretty much okay Moving on to the Leo chapters, chapters 41 and 42. So in chapter 41, they they take a taxi and they get out of the taxi uh, as far up the hill as it can go. And already Leo's shoes are starting to sink into the mug. Gia is messing with them. Leo notices that Jason is super connected to the Bay Area, despite Hedge saying that it's Titan's land and bad for demigods so clearly jason has spent a lot of time in the past here maybe he's from here we don't know <laughs> so as they walk leo builds and tinkers he makes a little object that's like a wind-up toy doesn't know what to do with it and sticks it back into his belt which i was like it's a surprise tool that we'll use later <laughs> eventually they make it to where Enceladus has set up camp he cut down a lot of trees which i'm like isn't that the opposite of what gia the earth wants <laughs> like okay environmentalist seems fake he also has a lot of construction equipment which leo finds odd and so do i enceladus himself i'm just imagining him lugging it all up this hill now (laughs) (laughs) the giant being like hello can i please have one earth mover (laughs) you hauls it up the mountain yeah Yeah, he's like i have to do all this by myself (laughs) guys it's like why are you doing that i don't know no reason so Enceladus, they find Enceladus himself. He's 30 feet tall and humanoid from the waist up. And Leo spends a while describing his muscles in a way that's reminiscent of Percy's homoeroticism towards the Minotaur, to be oh. honest. Yeah, good times. Uh, but from the waist down, however, Leo is not describing this uh, giant all sexy like. He's got green scaly legs like a dragon. And I just want to say, what did the Greeks have against human legs? Every monster has like lizard legs or or dragon legs not the minotaur it has human legs not the minotaur Mm -hmm. the minotaur's got well they're kind of like bull human yeah not the minotaur but everything else the greeks really hate a normal leg they (laughs) want to make it boring they like immediately spices up a human (laughs) is giving them scaly legs you're right Yeah. yeah or like the the empusas with like the donkey leg <laughs> and the like lizard leg. Yeah. Yeah, the Greeks are weird about legs. So just visible on the other side of Enceladus's bonfire, because he also has a bonfire going, <laughs> is Piper's dad. He made himself at home. 
Um, Tristan McLean, movie star, tied to a post and unconscious. Hedge suggests a distraction and Leo looks around at the construction equipment and then remembers his surprise tool and gets an idea. So on to chapter 42, Piper scrambles along the ridge towards her dad while Leo, Jason, and Hedge walk up to the giant to be the distraction. (laughs) Jason just kind of yells, giant! (laughs) And then Hedge calls him a big ugly cupcake. So (laughs) this is off to a great start. If this was a roast, they would lose immediately. (laughs) Like, (laughs) big ugly cupcake. That's a good one. Nothing makes me more enraged than someone calling me a big ugly cupcake. I'd be like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Or yelling human at me. And be like, yeah. Okay, Human! <laughs> Leo, however, is focused on his little wind-up toy. He drops it into the seat of the bulldozer and then heads for the tree harvester. Jason starts to charge Enceladus. Hedge gets knocked out, and Enceladus notices Piper super easily. So, like, they've played right into his hands. Enceladus says that he'll only let Piper's dad go if she swears loyalty to him, and Enceladus then takes this as his cue for an evil villain monologue where he explains his backstory. I'm like, I feel like we need theme music for the evil villain monologues. Um, so he tells them, evilly, that Mother Gia made him specifically as an anti-Athena. Apparently each giant was made to fight a god, so this guy is supposedly very smart. Which, I'd like to contest that, but okay. (laughs) And then a bunch of ogres emerge from the forest. It's like, Shrek? Is that you? What are you doing in my swamp? It's actually Shrek, Fiona, and their children. (laughs) (laughs) And they're called the Earthborn, but really we know they're called the Shreks. Is that his first name or his last name? Is he Mr. Shrek? Is she now Fiona I don't know. Does Shrek have a last name? Does Shrek have (laughs) a last name? Just wondering. Um, No known last name has been mentioned. And this, is, this is on Cora. It says, I know what you're thinking, but Fiona is married to him. That is true, but she didn't have a last name before marrying him. So, oh. no last names in the Shrek universe. Oh, okay. First name <laughs> really? only. Yeah, first name, Shrek. Last name, Shrek. So, <laughs> this is really important information <laughs> going over here. Um, so, these are the Earthborn. They are the six armed giants who fought the first Jason, so they especially hate dudes named Jason, which Why is very funny to me. Why did always find these guys? <laughs> like, Medea also hated him for being named Jason, and so do these dudes. I just think that's really funny. So I never name your children after real people. I know Piper and Leo are just cruising. They're like, okay. Like, maybe some people yeah. hate Leos, like, as, like, astrology, but... Not on oh, yeah. the level that they hate specifically <laughs> Jason. Yeah. <laughs> so Piper then steps forward, eyes blazing, and says, You will not take the people I love. None of them. And the Earthborn, the Ogres, the Shreks, whatever we're going to call them, they listen to her. Like, it's her charm speak, and she's super powerful. And Ensel- this pisses Enceladus off. So he tries to send the Earthborn to attack Piper's dad instead of Jason. And then they all break into action. 
Jason charges Enceladus, Piper rushes towards her father, and Leo heads for the tree harvester, again, which he was like already on his way to. He uses it to swing the crane around and attack the ogres. He uses his little robot dude to control the bulldozer and attack more ogres. Piper cuts her dad free and drags him away while Leo lights himself on fire and charges at the ogres. But he didn't even need to do that because Piper is at the end of her rope here and she used her dagger to slice up the ogres. It's like, did they make her eyes tear? You know, does she dice them? Ogres are like onions. Oh yeah, no. I get it. She sliced, sliced and diced those ogres. They those little lived. baby Shreks. <laughs> those little baby Shreks. She's killing babies. Out. She's killing <laughs> They're toddlers. Wow. Girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> they were just trying to guard their swamp here. <laughs> Leo then glances over at Jason to see how he's doing, and we end on the cliffhanger that the battle is not going too well for good old Jason. Um, my notes. Had a note about the weird leg thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Piper gets really cool in this chapter. This is, like, the coolest she's been, and, of course, it's not even from her own perspective, which is kind of annoying, but Piper's really, like, kind of doing the most here. This chapter- these chapters were also more fun than the other two, or Mm -hmm. the other four. I think. I read these and I actually enjoyed them. And I also think we should keep track of how many times Rick knocks someone out during battle. Like, there's always at least one person that could mean, like, Coach Hedge has been knocked out this whole time. It's like he's like, I don't want to deal with describing what all four of them are doing. Which one can I knock out? It really is problematic because, like, if you lose consciousness, isn't that a huge medical red flag? Yeah. They definitely all have brain damage. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) it's going really well for them all right are you ready for the lightning bolt round questions yes i am what would you want your makeover to look like like how done up would you want to be what would you do give me some ideas oh so i'd want to look good (laughs) yeah (laughs) the bottom line i would want to look like fashionable I would want things that are, like, perfectly tailored to me because, you know, the problem with being very short is that things are always too long to try the fashion trends. I want things perfectly tailored. I do want to look hot, but I also want it to be practical. So, I like, you know, if they're heels, they need to be retractable or the heel turns into a knife so I can cut the monsters with my feet. Except the Your problem kids. is I don't have good good foot-eye coordination, my coordination is more hand-eye. I played hand sports, no foot sports. So maybe like a bracelet that also is a weapon. Or just like a knife. Yeah. Well, but this <laughs> is fashion. This is fashion. <laughs> I don't, I'd want to look good. I think it would be fun. Probably not a dress quite though, because I don't want to flash any of the ogres. Yeah. We all know how Shrek gets. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh, I think I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I think we see that every episode, which is yeah, like, I think it not a great worse. thing. Yeah, this um, may be a documentation of um, us rereading the series, but it's also our descent into madness. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I was already there. <laughs> I would want to be dressed like Nico, like most ridiculous, <laughs> like cape like everyone else is around like piper's gotten her turquoise 2010 outfit jason's gotten a shower <laughs> leo <laughs> looks like he's like you know um 
what is that man? Beetlejuice. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I would just be there, like, so randomly with, like, this huge sword that has a giant skull on it, all these rings, just a gr- intense Ooh. goth makeup, and, like, Ooh. a cape that also, light, like, lights itself on fire at the ends. Just, like, and every time I walk, I want there to be, like, theme music. <laughs> You have, like, light-up shoes, but they sing, too. (laughs) They sing, too. Every parent's worst nightmare. Yeah, that really does sound. (laughs) And I think that would be just, like, I am ready for, like, Piper in a turquoise dress. Okay, at least she has leggings on, but, like, really, is that the most padding she she can get as she's sliding around on this mountain? No, I have a cape, which can be used against me, but at least it looks good. No kicks. No (laughs) kicks. At least it looks good. (laughs) All right, this doesn't really have to do with the chapter, but um, Olivia asked us in an email, what color besides orange would you make the half-blood shirts? And I just have to, like, expand on this a little bit. Um, She sent us an email being like, hey, like, I think that it's kind of weird that the half-blood shirts are orange because it's pretty (laughs) visible. I'm sure that, like, during Capture the Flag and stuff, it's kind of easy to spot them and monsters and stuff. And I lost my mind. I was like, I never <laughs> thought about this. I think Chiron's actively trying to kill these children by making them look like giant traffic cones and sending them out into the world and like playing Capture the Flag in the woods filled with monsters. And instead of like properly letting them like, I, mean, I know that they wear armor and they dress up for Capture the Flag, but like they're just constant targets. And that's yes. so funny for me. I saw like a Tumblr. It was a Tumblr, or a Twitter, po- a Twitter, a Twitter tweet, or, <laughs> or something where it was like maybe the color, the reason they're orange is so the dead bodies are easier to spot. And I was like, no, I don't like that. That's too sad. I think Chiron's just dumb. I think he's dumb. <laughs> because I think um, my answer to that is any color but orange. <laughs> I like a forest green because it looks good on every skin yeah. tone. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Also, yeah. like, specifically to me, it looks good with my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> but that's also so funny to me because, like, orange doesn't even help find the dead bodies. Bianca disappeared in trash. Like, it doesn't help anybody. <laughs> Her trash. <laughs> oh. It really doesn't. Yeah, they just, it's just, they want these teens to feel bad about themselves because they're all wearing orange. I know, That's especially what it is. like the really pale children who look like giant like highlighters. Like it just does not work <laughs> with every skin yeah. tone. I'm sorry. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. No yellow either. No yellow either. No high. No bright. No neon colors. Even the dark purple is kind of rough if you're in um, a forest. At least it yeah. camouflages well at night. It looks good <clears throat> on people too. You know, at least they have that going for them. I think I'd pick green, too. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if their camp is in the woods. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Chiron. Would it be worse to be Aeolus, who has to keep up with the gods changing the weather every five seconds, or to be his assistant? Oh, be his assistant sounds way worse to me. But at least you can, like, disappear or quit. You can quit. You can quit. (laughs) Or get fired. True. I just, I just, Aeolus at least is a god, you know. Right? But he's he, great, and also like he's not even a hot god. He's a pretty ugly god, from what they're saying. 
It sounds like even he have did that, that to himself. Him. If it was me, I could fix it. <laughs> I think I'd probably rather be him because of the power. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I'd rather be his assistant and then I'd form a union and get better pay. Mm. Oh my gosh. Are you going to be my assistant now? Am I going to be him? You're going to be my assistant? Yeah. So I'm going to be going? the worst assistant ever. Okay. Well, I'll be, I'll get a lot of plastic surgery. So I look like a <laughs> pen doll that's been put in a microwave or whatever. <laughs> I've never seen that and I don't want to. I did not ever microwave my Barbie dolls. No, the microwave was too high. <laughs> You're like, I would have. Trust I would, me. I 100% would have. Give them I gave mine baths. I gave them baths. I made them go to the pool, which was my sink. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was a good time. I buried yeah. them in dirt. Oh, I didn't do that. That sounds like murder. <laughs> <laughs> Bury them alive. <laughs> It was more, I don't remember what, there was a, there was an intricate plot behind it, but there was like mm. one that I forgot and found like months oh. later and I was just like, my mom was gardening and she's like, what is this? <laughs> That's like very a horror creepy. movie. Yeah. That's so creepy. Okay. Well, on that lovely note of a terrifying buried Barbie, um, next week we will be talking about chapters 43 through 48 of The Lost Hero, which is like the kind of the final climax, I think. Um, and also, we only have two Lost Hero episodes left, so like it's almost Percy time, which is really exciting for us. It's also the fact Percy that these, these books also just, they get better from here. Like, they do. I think... Point. Yeah, because we're still like, they're still trying to explain to us who these characters are and what the heck is going on. And then also add in fun side quests. And so soon, well, we gotta, we gotta finish this book, but soon we'll be like, we know all the characters. We know what's going on. We're ready to go. And we're excited for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you're interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon. The link is in the episode description. And you can also follow us on social media at Camp Half Pod. Email me, camphalfpod at gmail.com. Please send me your enemy stories. I am begging you. Still. You're like, it's been weeks and I'm still asking for this. I'm still asking. <laughs> okay, and don't forget to rate and review wherever you're listening to us. That is how we get more people listening. And also, it just brings me joy to see <laughs> a little five stars. So yes, kind. Yes. <laughs> Bye. So then they meet a wind nymph named Melly. No, yeah. Mm -hmm. I said it. I keep wanting to call her Nelly. I'm going to start that over. <laughs> then they meet. Wow, I can't talk to me. Wheat? Wee wheat. We wumbo, she wumbo. <laughs> Stop. I'm having, I think I'm, the words are just not working for me today. A wind nymph. Okay, I can do this. The king of the giants. Porifiron. Porifiron. Por por I think it's Porfirion. Porfirion? Like, the, yeah. like the Pokemon. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. The giants are waking, and if the king of the giants... Or if you're on. 
I want to put a Y there so badly. Porphyrion. Porphyrion. Okay, whatever. Okay. <clears throat> the gods are the. <laughs> <laughs> the giants. Okay. The giants are waking. And I'm gonna sound so angry saying this sentence. <laughs> you're like this. Stupid. You're just really passionate about the giants. <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna skip that. Okay, it's fine. 